What does it take to lead beyond a crisis? During massive disruption, should leaders only focus on pulling through? Or can they effectively adapt and evolve in order to prepare for what comes next? In this episode, I speak to Ben Baker and Claire Chandler, authors of Leading Beyond a Crisis, a conversation about what's next, about what leaders need to do today in order to future-proof their business, even while working through a crisis. So I think one of the things that leaders can do right away is start to look at every single member of their team as talent to amplify, not as roles to control. Yeah, kudos on that one. Because the thing is, is that we never utilize the full talents of, of people when we hire them. Ben Baker is the founder of Your Brand Marketing, where he helps clients understand what makes them special, unique, and engaging. Claire Chandler is the founder of Talent Boost, where she leverages over 25 years of experience in business leadership, human resources, and communications to boost leadership alignment and effectiveness. Together, they recorded a series of conversations that they call Creating the New Normal, Leadership in a Post-Pandemic World, and have written the book, Leading Beyond a Crisis, a conversation about what's next, based on these conversations. So, ready to dive into how to lead beyond a crisis? Let's discuss. I'm Rebecca Scott, and this is Humans Now and Then. Ben Baker and Claire Chandler, thanks for joining me. Oh, just a pleasure, Rebecca. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Rebecca. You're welcome. So I love the fact that we get to tag team a little bit today, and it'll be interesting to see how what I can learn from the two of you, because you've got such good rapport and understanding about one another. <laughs> and I think what's really interesting is you've come together to make this amazing book about leadership and leading through challenging times, and really, of course, at the perfect time as we're in this global pandemic. You had a series of conversations earlier this year in the spring about how leaders were adjusting or thinking about this complete disruption to their business, how they would lead their employees through this type of change. So I'm interested to know how the two of you came together and joined forces to address the importance of understanding how to effectively lead through change. Ben, do you want to tell the story or should I? Sure, absolutely. I can, re- I can tell the story. I mean, you know, you're right. Claire and I are a perfect team. I'm really good at distracting people, and Claire comes up behind them with a chair. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's a great tag team duo. Claire and I met. I would guess about the beginning of this year. We were introduced by a mutual friend on LinkedIn. I mean, this is a Harry Met Sally moment. She and I have never met. Yeah, you know, we we've become close friends on Zoom. We've become close friends on LinkedIn, but we've actually never sat down and broke bread and had a shared a glass of wine and actually talked to each other. But we were introduced by a mutual friend and, you know, they said, you guys are going to get along like, you know, hell on wheels. And sure enough, you know, from the first conversation that was supposed to go probably 30 minutes, I'm sure we were an hour into it by the time we said goodbye. And we started having these conversations and, you know, they one after two after four. And sometime around the third or fourth conversation, I said, Claire, we got to get this on tape. I mean, I'm a podcaster. I've been podcasting for years and I'm going, there's gold here. So we decided we were going to sit down on a weekly basis and we were going to commit it for 12 weeks. We committed for 12 weeks that we were going to put a podcast together and be able to have a back and forth conversation on leadership because what we were seeing was during the pandemic, everybody was grabbing their knees, rocking back and forth, and nobody was sitting there going, okay, 
yes, this is tough. Yes, this is challenging. But where are we going? And we want to have the conversation not about how tough COVID was, but okay, COVID is tough. What are we going to do next? And that's where the conversations really came from. And it it just flowed into these great 12 podcast episodes. And we've got them on video. Uh, actually, they're on audio and video. And what they've really been able to do is cement our ideas that leading beyond a crisis, we all need to keep one eye on, on the here and now and one eye on the horizon. So, Claire, I'm going to let you pick it up from there. Yeah, you know, I liken it to a duet that gets recorded and the two people never go to the same sound studio, right? But they make this amazing soundtrack together. And that really is what Ben and I developed because we have such complementary perspectives and opinions on leadership in general, but in particular leadership in the time of COVID, right? Because to Ben's point, you know, th- this is something that is a crisis for all of us. But if you've been in business long enough, it is not the first crisis you've encountered. And it serves as a reminder in the series of conversations that we had together, reinforced that reminder that leaders above anyone have to keep their employees safe, informed, and moving forward, regardless of whether you are going through a global pandemic or not. Um, and so that series of conversations really uncovered such great amounts of goals that we decided to turn into a book. That's awesome. It's good to have that cross-content, the ability to put these conversations together, recognize the magic of these conversations, because that's one reason why I started putting podcasts together, because I'm like, wow, I'm having these great conversations. I'd love to be able to record those and you know put them out in the world, because there's a lot of magic that can happen when you have good rapport, but also just really good, honest conversations about what we need to do to move forward and improve. And so I love the fact that you came together and, and did that. And I'm wondering, Claire, I know some of your expertise falls around keeping staff and employees engaged, both from a recruiting perspective and from a retention perspective. So as you venture through this journey with Ben or even just in your business and in the work that you do, what are some of the things or pitfalls that you have seen people fall into in keeping people engaged during this interesting time of crisis? Yeah, such a great question. It's a very important question, right? Because as Ben said, we got connected at the beginning of the year. It was actually either just as COVID was, was breaking or just prior to that. And a lot of companies entered this year with the optimism that the changing of the calendar page brings. And then, of course, COVID brought their longer-term strategic thinking to a screeching halt. And one of the other things that it did was it forced most companies that were not already doing this to pivot to a more flexible way of working. A lot of remote work where people were able to do that, where they were not tied to a physical location to to get their jobs done. And so a lot of companies were caught off guard, not just by the fact that there was a little pandemic, but, you know, by the fact that they now had to completely reinvent the way that they were working. And so one of the big pitfalls was companies were called out and, and caught in their inflexibility. And, you know, this flexible working relationship and this remote work and all of the things that they said, we are not ready for, we cannot uh, do, you know, we are unique, that we can't have that type of working arrangement. Well, they had to figure out a way. And so the silver lining to that was people found that they were able to get creative, be innovative, be flexible, be remote, 
and still get their job done. And they were also finding that their employees were more productive. They were finding that they were more engaged because they weren't, you know, tackling the, the commute on each end of the workday in addition to reporting to a physical location. And so they were finding that they were more productive. The biggest pitfall in all of that, though, was the fact that, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. It has helped us to stay connected. It certainly enabled the friendship that Ben and I have formed, but it does not take the place of true communication. And so, you know, the, the biggest pitfall that I've seen has been around leadership's assumption that because we have technology that enables us to continue to send messages out, check in with our employees, that we are making as deep of a connection with those employees. So that to me has been the biggest wake up call and, and cautionary tale with all of this is not to confuse communication with connection. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I, I keep coming back to the start of COVID. And Mike Tyson, I think, said it best. He says, we all have a plan until somebody hits us in the face. <laughs> it's amazing how many companies, in fact, nobody had a plan for this. Anybody can say, okay, we had a crisis plan. We, you know, if God forbid, if we need to send everybody home, okay, we've got a plan in place. But everybody was tested. Every single company was tested. And every single company out there has been doing this with Band-Aid and duct tape for the last nine months. And some of it have done it extremely well. And some of it have done it just horribly and, and poorly. And you're right. I mean, there's too many companies out there that are sitting there going, okay, I've got technology. Everything's fine. You know, we, we have a technological solution. We, we have Microsoft Teams in place. We have Zoom in place. We have, you know, people can access the server from the office. We're fine. We don't need anything more than that. But the big thing that we're missing is that connection. And there are lots and lots of people, some are, you know, loving working from home. Some are feeling extremely lonely. A lot of them are feeling depressed. And the problem is, is that leaders have never had to deal with this before. They've never had to deal with the fact that their entire team could be across the city, could be across the state, could be across the country. And they're not coming together in one place. They're not having the ability to bring everybody in the room and have that three-dimensional image and be able to watch the body language from head to toe and see what is really bothering people and what their challenges are, what their focus, because everybody is a little bit tentative online. Nobody wants to you know, expose themselves. Nobody wants to do that, especially when these meetings are being recorded. And nobody wants to sit there and say, you know what, I'm really feeling depressed today, or I'm really feeling challenged, or I need help. Because people sit there and they're feeling vulnerable. And I think we need to find a way to teach leaders how to enable their teams to be vulnerable and celebrate that vulnerability and be able to move past it and be able to help everybody succeed in their own way. Because we're not dealing with automatons. We're not dealing with you know, straight technology. We're not dealing with something that can just be, you know, tweaked either left to the right. We need to realize that every single human within our company is coming to work every single day with their own set of challenges and we need to sit there and realize that if we're not treating each individual human specifically and individually, we're going to put ourselves in a position where we're going to lose people. And we're going to lose people on a whole variety of levels, and they're not going to be engaged, and they're not going to want to work for the company, and they're not going to do their best work. 
because they don't feel that they're listened to, understood, and valued. Mm, Such important points. One of the things I thought of as the two of you walk through that is thinking about the opportunity this has presented. So pre-pandemic, you know, we all understood some of the things that were the comedy that happened behind the scenes at home when you had those opportunities to work from home. One of them was the video that we saw on YouTube maybe a couple of years ago of the news reporter whose family kind of wandered into the room and the wife frantically pulling the kids out while he's on live TV. But a lot of people felt a little bit ashamed about things that might happen in the background on these Zoom calls or on these remote calls. I remember one time in particular, I was on a phone call and saying goodbye to my kids. And it would seem so silly now because things have changed quite a bit. But saying goodbye to my kids, forgot to mute the call and everyone's giggling in the background. And oh, gosh, you know, she forgot to mute and she's saying goodbye to her kids and wish them a good day. And I'm being mushy with my kids. Back in the day, that would have been embarrassing. I think that dynamic has changed somewhat and that people are more willing to show themselves as they are having empathy for the fact that other folks are working amongst, you know, their families or other things that might be happening at home, whether it be their pets, which has been have been an amazing distraction for some meetings as well. I'm wondering about that opportunity to actually maybe build empathy within leaders to understand the lives and the impact that's happening uh, within their teams once I kind of get past that kind of digital divide that you're mentioning that that can be an, a hindrance to connection. Yeah, you know, I think that is such a great reminder. And even you kind of talking through being mushy with your kids and forgetting to mute, right? It has become the norm rather than the gone viral exception to this more remote way of interacting. And I think one of of the amazingly wonderful things that that has done is more deeply connected us. So, you know, I said just a moment ago how some of this technology for leaders that are not totally enlightened, they're confusing communication and connection. Well, now you've got a dog barking in the background or the kids coming into the frame or the, you know, the spouse kind of yelling through the door that dinner's ready, right? And as you said, Rebecca, previous to COVID, we would all think, oh my gosh, that actually harmed my reputation as a professional. How unprofessional of those people. Right. Well, now you've got this amazing opportunity that that has provided for all of us that we are humans first. We are not, as Ben said, automatons. We're not machines. We're not robots without feeling. And I think the lesson there is less for the employees because I think employees have always been connected to the personal lives that are waiting for them at home and that intervene uh, sometimes at the worst possible moments, right? The lesson there is for the leaders. You know, Ben and I talked about this in the, in the conversation series and it made its way into the book, that leaders who think that their role is a character that they play versus an obligation that they have to bring out the most authentic version of themselves and connect with the most genuine version of the people that they're trying to lead. Um, you know, it's those leaders who, who kind of separate themselves from leadership as a role that they, you know, they put on in the morning, they take off at night. That's been the biggest opportunity, I think, for transformation of leadership itself is to embrace empathy, is to embrace humanity, and Ben, to your point before, to really demonstrate in genuine ways the vulnerability that unites all of us. Well, the great thing about that is, Claire, and I I agree with everything you said, is that everybody has been impacted by this. It's not just certain employees. It's everybody. It's from CEOs all the way down. 
I've heard stories of CEOs having to go out to their car and have meetings in their car because they've got four kids and a wife at home and the dogs and everything. And they're trying to have some semblance of professionalism and they realize they just can't have it at home. And this is creating an enormous sense of empathy and identity with their staff to sit there and say, we're all having challenges. We all have things that go on in our lives and, you know, realizing that things are not going to be perfect on a Zoom call today. It's just not going to happen. When you've got the kids at home, when you have the dog, when you have the spouse, when you have you know the call for dinners ready, as Rebecca, you know, but you know, we all need to sit there and realize that we're human beings first. And by leaders having to go through those challenges with everybody else, they get that sense of empathy because they're being thrown into it the same way that the teams that they support are. And we need to look at that as companies and say, okay, now that we've all gone through this shared experience, what does this mean for us moving forward? You know, how does this bond us together? How does this create a shared identity? And how does this, you know, help our purpose and our vision and our culture as a company moving forward and be able to communicate effectively because you know, we've used the term communication a few times during this talk so far, but communication tends to be in a lot of places one way. And we need to get back to a conversation where we're actually talking in order to be understood and making sure that people listen and making sure that they talk back to us in a way that we understand that they understand what we're trying to say, because that's what the goal has to be. And, you know, technology can aid that and hinder that. And we need to understand this and move beyond it. And to me, I think, Rebecca, to your earlier observation about the opportunities that this has created, I just think it's amazing. We have talked for years. How many years have you heard the phrase work-life balance as this unattainable holy grail? Right. Yeah. And I think the reason for that until this year, that that has been such an elusive goal for so many of us, is that there is this hard slash between work and life in that phrase. Right. And it's because we we have tried to this point to separate physically and mentally our work lives and roles and responsibilities from our home lives and roles and responsibilities. Well, now we watched COVID, a lot of us had to pivot to a more virtual uh, way of working, which brought the family back to, you know, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of folks who have turned their dining room table into their office. And so, you know, they, they literally had to blend their work life and their, and their home life. So I think, you know, one of the um, silver lining opportunities that COVID uh, and this kind of pivot to remote work has created is I think finally for all of us, we can find that balance between work and life because it hasn't necessarily been blended. Oh, yeah, that's so true. I've had a lot of people kind of go through the last several months. Of course, it's been a lot of ups and downs and trying to figure things out, um, regardless of, you know, your circumstance will be a little bit different. So if you have a family like myself trying to figure out how do I still get work done and continue forward with distractions that are hitting every few minutes or your point before, Ben, about being lonely at home. So, you know, so maybe you have younger folks that are unmarried or alone at home and trying to deal with the deep isolation they might be feeling feeling very lonely, which can also propose a challenge when it comes to work engagement. 
But one of the things that I think is really interesting about that too is the number of distractions we all have in our lives, uh, around us in the world. Uh, so beyond what's happening at work, uh, we have many things that are kind of hitting us from different directions, many things that we're dealing with. And of course, as leaders continue to expand their level of empathy, they also have this kind of responsibility or accountability to stay true to a company's or organization's goals. And so I'm wondering, Ben, with the work that you've done, how would leaders help to maintain clarity and focus on the organization's purpose and their mission in order to effectively lead through a crisis and also keep people on point and looking forward towards the goal that the organization is trying to achieve? Yeah, I think that you know, and this comes down to a pet peeve and a rant that I had both in the podcast and also in the book. <laughs> Good. It, is that we really need to get rid of mission, vision, and value statements that mean nothing. As organizations, we need to realize that we need to either replace them or we need to live them. Too many organizations, and I've been part of this, I'm guilty, I'm raising my right hand, have taken management teams to these very expensive retreats sat around in, in a very plush location with a whole bunch of whiteboards and created these mission, vision, and value statements. And they go, oh, wait, those are great. Great words, great pithy statements, love it. And then they come back and they do nothing with it. The culture doesn't change. The purpose of the organization doesn't change. How they engage not only with employees, but with customers and vendors doesn't change. They're just words. And when they're just words, they mean nothing. because. Teams look at their leaders and sit there and saying, not only what are you saying, but what are you doing? And if your words don't match your actions, people will take a look at what your actions are, and that's what they're going to follow. Because they think that that's what's really what's important. So if nobody is sitting there actually living the mission, vision, and values of the company, that they can't define the purpose, if they don't understand the culture and live it, then we have a problem. What I suggest to companies instead is creating a brand story. A brand story is what tells everybody, where did you come from and why did you start the company? What was the genesis of the company? And you know what was the impetus to start it? Where are you today? How did you get from where you were to where you are? What were the challenges along the way? What were the successes along the way? Who are the people that we serve? Why do we serve them? Why do they think that we're valuable to them? And most importantly, where are we going? Because when we can blend all that into a story and every single employee gets that story when they come into the company and on an ongoing basis, people are constantly talking about the brand story within the company, within meetings, within you know documentation, on the website, whatever, and how they make decisions within the company, people believe it. Not only do that, they internalize it. And when people internalize it, they recall it, and they retell that story, whether it be internally or externally, they're doing it from the I point of view. It, they become part of the story themselves. And Claire may tell the story differently than you do, Rebecca, and I might tell the story differently than somebody else, but it doesn't matter. When we all have the basic essence of the story and we understand what that story means to us and how we're part of making that company better and how our individual efforts matter, we're going to move forward and move forward in a positive way. So I think that that's really what we need to do as organizations is to stop with the pithy words, stop with the hype and get down to what it truly is our purpose. 
You know, who are the people we truly serve? Why do we serve them? Why are they important to us? And why are we important to them? And create a story around that that allows everybody within the organization to be able to have a North Star that they can look to and make decisions based off of in order to make sure that the company is going in the right direction. Yeah, those are fabulous points because it's so important to make sure people are engaged. They understand their role in meeting those goals. So, you know, organizations are really having to make that shift in their thinking about what leadership looks like, what it looks like for companies to kind of get their employees on board towards joining a mission that they work together to accomplish that is ultimately a goal that's bigger than themselves, which is a really important aspect of employee engagement. And I wonder too, and I know that it was back in March, I think or March or April, when you started these conversations that led to your book. Uh, I'm wondering how many things you might have seen since that point in time. Have any of your perspectives changed since you put those series of conversations together? Or is there anything that either one of you have learned since that point in time? You know, to me, what was interesting was when we started the conversations and we started to record them, we still felt like the conversation was going to have a relatively short shelf life. If you remember back in March and even in April, COVID was going to be a two-week, maybe a you know a four-week inconvenience, right? And so now we are several months later. There is no end, quite frankly, in sight. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves and with the world about that, right? When we when we kind of wrapped up the the twelve week series of conversations, we said, "Wow, you know that not only is COVID going to be around for a long time, and even if God willing it is knocked down completely relatively soon, the ripple effect of that on business, on life, uh, on the family dynamic, etc., is going to last for a while." It was important for us to take note of that, take stock of that. And that was really the impetus for us to turn the series into a book, because when we realized that the COVID impact and the ripple effect were going to last much longer, we felt like a book would get the message out a little bit more. And the the conversations that we had that were inspired by uh, the impact of COVID, we realized were leadership lessons and mindsets and perspectives that all leaders needed to have regardless of how long COVID is with us. Because as we concluded in the book, the next crisis is going to happen. If you stay in business long enough, you are going to run up against obstacles, challenges, and events that could threaten to really knock you and your people and your your company off its feet. So for me, I think that has been the biggest lesson is that the things that we were shining the spotlight on in the height and the heat of COVID, turned out to be much more sustainable leadership principles that I think regardless of COVID, regardless of the next crisis, regardless of being in a phase of relative peace and prosperity, those leadership principles will still apply. And I think that, I mean, the biggest surprise to me, seven, eight, nine months later, depending on where you're marking the beginning of COVID, is the number of companies that still aren't getting it that are still hoping that things are going to go back to the way they were. You know, still sitting there going, okay, if we could just hold on a little bit longer, if we can get another three-month extension on our loan, if we can get a, you know, an extension of our line of credit, we're just going to hold on long enough and things are going to go back to the way they are. Well, guess what? They're not. 
Things are never going to be what they are. Business has fundamentally changed. We have certain things within our life that are fundamental shifts of how business, you know, engages with each other. And COVID is going to be one of them. And we need to sit there as businesses and sit there and say, okay, this is the line in the sand. Things have changed, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot, but be able to sit there and say, okay, how have they changed for us? How can we move forward? How can we be successful? And this really comes down to leadership because, you know, if you have leadership that have their head in their sand and are just holding their knees and rocking back and forth, those are the companies that are not going to survive. And there are going to be hundreds of thousands of companies, you know, if not millions of companies that are not going to survive this worldwide. And that's reality. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that these are companies that are so afraid to make any decision whatsoever that they're making no decision. And companies and leaders and businesses need to realize that now is the time to think like a brand new business. We are all in a position where we're starting almost from scratch again, where the rules have changed, that the opportunities are out there and realize that we need to take a look at business and say, okay, how can we experiment? What can we do? How can we change our offering? How can we change how we think, how we act, how we react and be able to put a, a better foot forward. And there are companies that are doing that phenomenally. And there's some amazing technology. There's some amazing innovation. There's some amazing you know, products that have come out of COVID. But there's also companies out there that are just not taking the risk that they need to do to be able to ensure their own survival. Yeah. And there's so much truth to that. And we've seen that through not even just unemployment numbers and companies having to let people go or organizations that just don't make it, especially those in service industries that are really struggling right now. Um, and sometimes companies that are just needing to reinvent themselves to be able to survive. Um, I think what's really interesting is thinking forward into the future. So all of these little bits and pieces that both of you have walked through the podcast today about changes in uh, how we need to approach leadership through times of crisis, how some of these things will start to stick. As Claire mentioned, the pandemic itself will continue for some time, but the ripple effects, the lasting effects that will come as a result of the massive disruption that's happening to workplaces and organizations today. I mean, obviously, you know, I think so many people had this debate early on in the pandemic. Is it going to go back to old normal? Is there going to be a new normal? There's no debate anymore. Everyone's kind of settled on, yes, there's going to be a new normal. What's it going to look like? So if I had to ask you that question, what leadership is going to look like in the future post-pandemic as a result of the things that we're seeing today, what would be your number one projection on what you'd expect leadership to look like post-pandemic? So I'll share a couple of thoughts and, and then certainly augment what I'm about to say with, with your own observations. Um, you know, I think for, for me, two of the skills that, and they are mission critical must-have skills that this current uh, crisis has highlighted um, are resilience, certainly, and adaptability. I think in company, um, in any leader of a company that uh, will truly survive where an end is not in sight, you know, where this is going to shift from the enemy in front of us to the enemy we have to live and work alongside for, you know, for some time to come. Um, for me, I think, you know, leaders 
the people they hire, the businesses they run will have to demonstrate resilience and adaptability. And you can already see that because, as we know, a lot of uh, businesses, a lot of people's jobs um, have become casualties of this pandemic. And I think, um, you know, for for companies that want to not just outlast this crisis, but really be in a position where they can continue to thrive. They have to demonstrate that. They have to seek it out. They have to be intentional about how they foster um, resilience and adaptability. You know, and I think there's, you know, again, this opportunity for leaders not just to reinvent themselves, um, you know, and, and kind of dust off uh, or, or, or shed and leave behind their old school way of, of leading. Um, there's a real opportunity for them to reinvent the the market, the industry, the you know the atmosphere that they play in. You know, I think that for 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 leaders that are open minded, for leaders that are enlightened, and for companies that really want to make a bigger impact, regardless of um, you know this pandemic or the next crisis, they need to get out from that and they need to seize the opportunity to reinvent themselves their company, their industry, and the way that their employees play a part in making that a reality. Absolutely. And to add to that, the world of carrot and stick and leadership by fear has got to go the way of the dodo bird. We need to get to the point where we realize that those leadership styles are no longer effective. We're in a world where people realize that they have options. And no employee should be expected to be in the same job unless that's something that is of value to them for the rest of their lives. We need to realize that people are mobile. People are going to look to companies that can actually teach them things, that they can expand their mind, that they can add to their own value, that they can become better contributors to a company. And when they feel they're not contributing to the company any longer or if the company is no longer adding value to them, they are going to leave. And this is not necessarily a horrible thing. We need to get beyond the point where employees are going to stay with us for 15, 20, 30, 40 years. It's just not a reality in most situations anymore. And we need to celebrate that. We need to sit there and say, can we support this employee? When we're hiring this person, are we hiring them for a task? Are we hiring them because we want them to grow within our corporation? And if so, we need to have a plan set out right away with this employee of where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to be doing in five years? And as long as you as a company can support that person, they feel listened to, understood, and valued, they're going to stay. If they feel there's opportunity for them to learn and grow, they will stay. However, if they don't, they're going to look for somewhere where they can. And if you keep in touch with this person, and if you don't leave in a position of animosity, and when they don't walk out the door with a chip on their shoulder, they become advocates for your brand, even if they're with another company. It allows them to sit there and say, you know what, I'm not working for this company, but there was a great position. I think you would be great for it. And let me see if I can get in touch with this person and get you a job interview and be able to get better employees into your organization. And not only that, in five years down the road, when this other person that you've stayed in touch with 
has grown and they've built and they've gained the experience that they that you need. And all of a sudden, you're looking for the next director, or the next vice president. You can bring them back and bring them back into your organization and allow that. And you know, social media uh, enable us to do that. Enables us to keep in touch with people and be able to cheer them on, even if they're no longer with our company, to be able to make sure we stay in touch. We need to get to a position where we're beyond the carrot and stick, we're beyond the leadership by fear, and we're sitting there going, how do we wake up every single morning and figure out how we can make our teams better? How can we give them the tools that they need to be successful? Because when they're successful, we'll be successful. Yeah, I love that. You both brought up some great points about humanizing people when you think forward about the future, what the future of leadership could hold, which is one of the amazing transitions we're starting to see today. Yes, there's a lot of interesting things happening out in the world, a lot of divisiveness, a lot of challenges, and a lot of stress uh, because of this major disruption that we're having. But I think it does lead us to this place where it might be a better uh, implementation of leaderships and organizations of the future, uh, which can give us some level of hope. So I have a question for each of you to answer, but I'm also going to tag on additional thing I don't usually ask because I'm just interested to see how you respond. And I think you're both just fabulous. So I'd like to know from each of you, what is something that you're optimistic about for the future? And what is one thing that leaders can do today to move towards that more optimistic future. Oh, I love that. You know, you're speaking to an eternal optimist, so you are absolutely singing my tune right now. For me, the phrase talent management has been misused for many years. You know, I'm just sitting here reflecting on what Ben just said, and it kind of makes me mindful that I think going forward, one of the things that leaders can start to do immediately is truly manage talent. Because what they have been doing is managing roles. And the, you know, the key distinction there is, and, and Ben and I kind of go on this, this rant a bit about you know, job descriptions and how they are extremely antiquated as well. Um, we're, we're at a point where, and COVID has kind of forced the forward evolution of this, which I think, again, is a silver lining, you know, that we're moving more and more toward a gig-based economy. Ben just talked about the fact that we're not in an environment anymore where people stay with the same company that they started with. People are going to move in and out. Um, perhaps return to uh, you know a previous employer at some point in the future when their skills and their passions and genius line up with where the company is at that time. But looking at the employees that are under their care rather than under their, their authority, right? Um, and that, that too is a key difference, but looking at them in terms of the talents that they bring, the passions that they have, and how we as leaders can best align what they can contribute to how it will advance our mission, rather than we hire them based on these things, and then we assign them to a very tightly confined box, and we tell them, don't color outside of the lines. So I think one of the things that leaders can do right away is start to look at every single member of their team as talent to amplify, not as roles to control. Yeah, kudos on that one. Because the thing is, is that we never utilize the full talents of, of people when we hire them. We we put these lofty resume job advertisings out there in the blogosphere, and we're looking for the perfect employee. 
We're looking for someone to be entrepreneurial. We're looking for someone to be forward thinking. We're looking for someone to be resilient, this, that, and everything. And then we, we bring them into the company. We don't give them the tools to succeed based on those expectations that we wanted within the job description. You know, we as companies need to humanize the corporate brand. We need to celebrate the individuals within our companies and look at them and say, what are the talents that they bring to the table? You know, you may have somebody who is uh, an accountant, but they have a passion for podcasting. What if they could become the voice of the podcast of your corporation? You know, all right, it has absolutely nothing to do with their job title within the accounting department. But if they're passionate about it, if they're good at it, if they're great at getting the stories out of individuals in different departments and talking to customers and talking to vendors, et cetera, that's a phenomenal skill that most companies would never even think about. People have a variety of skills and we need to understand that we need to celebrate their skills and allow these people to be able to be successful beyond a job title. We need to manage process and we need to lead human beings. And we need to understand that human beings come to the table every single day with wants, needs, desires, hopes, fears, and challenges. And our job as leaders is to get the best out of them every single day and to be able to listen to them and to be able to understand them and to be able to sit there and say, you know what? This is something that we're looking for. Can you, do you want to try this? You know, why don't I give you this little bit of a responsibility? Why don't you, why don't you take the reins on this project and, you know, we'll take the training wheels off and let you go at it. Here's a budget. Here's a team to work with. You know what? Come back to me and let's see what you come with and enable people to either succeed or fail. And if they fail, work with them to be able to turn that failure into success. You know, and be able to give people the empowerment and the ability to be able to shine within their role and to be able to see that there's other roles that they can work at. You know, that's what I'm hoping for the world as we move forward. Those are the, the skill sets that I'm hoping that leaders understand that they need to have. They need to care. In one word, they need to care. Mm, I love that. Really moving in towards that human-centered leadership that is so critical today during difficult times. But as we move forward into the future, as things continue to move faster, as more technology becomes available, it is really important we center on who we are as humans and shift our mindsets away from leaders first to people first. So Ben Baker and Claire Chandler, this has been an amazing conversation. Folks, their book is Leading Beyond a Crisis, a conversation about what's next. So Ben and Claire, thanks so much for joining me. Rebecca, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Ben and Claire had a realization early in the pandemic that leadership in times of crisis has its unique challenges. As they took that journey, they also identified something that is critically important, that we don't get so caught up in today's crisis that we fail to think about what comes next. In the past, this is how organizations have found themselves in a perpetual reactive mode, moving from crisis to crisis. However, many organizations have never faced a crisis at this scale. In a nutshell, this crisis set off by the COVID pandemic is completely different. It's larger. It comes with tremendous impact to virtually everyone, 
and it has completely shifted and sometimes dramatically accelerated trends in relation to leadership, how we work, and where we work. Ben and Claire have done something else here that's important to note. They recognize a critically important topic and decided to take action to start a conversation about solutions. Of course, that's what this podcast is all about. But reflect on that for a moment. What is a critically important topic to you? What conversations are needed for us to solve some of the biggest problems and plan for a better future? And how can you get involved to make a difference? Don't wait for someone else to start that conversation. Get involved today. Your voice will make a difference, and your contributions can certainly shape a better future for leadership, for organizations, and for society. So, what are you waiting for? Go on. Go help shape the future. To learn more about Ben Baker and Claire Chandler, go to yourbrandmarketing.com and clairechandler.net. You can also check out the links of plates in the episode notes, and you can find their book, Leading Beyond a Crisis, conversation about what's next on Amazon and other major retailers. Before you go, make sure to subscribe to Humans Now and Then so you don't miss the amazing episodes coming soon. I'm Rebecca Scott, and this has been Humans Now and Then, hosted and produced by Rebecca Scott. Episode notes can be found at humansnowandthen.com. Thank you for listening.